Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for December 29th, 2017. Nine-game basketball slate. We have some injury news. There's going to be value on the slate. Uh, it's just probably not going to come before lineup lock, but maybe it's one of those situations where we get it early because it is some kind of longer-existing injuries like uh, Chris Paul, but that's the first game of the slate. And then a really big one in the later games is Blake Griffin. So first game on the slate is the Houston Rockets, the Washington Wizards. From the Rockets' side of the game, we have Chris Paul once again questionable with that abductor strain. They've been targeting this as his return for the last couple games. I think Monday he was originally ruled out, and then he was upgraded to doubtful. Didn't really expect him to play, except they did say that they were hoping he'd come back by the end of the week. So this seems like the game where Paul will come back, except he's still questionable, so we need to pay attention to the injury report. And then also if he does come back, we don't know, is he going to have a minutes restriction? Is he going to be full go? My guess would be he'd have a light minutes restriction, but once again, we'll have to see what the news brings. From the Wizards' side of the game, John Wall at 8,600, I think that that's a pretty good play if Chris Paul is out, but then a lesser play if Chris Paul is in, just because Chris Paul one of the better defensive point guards in the league. And then the other play that I like a decent amount here is Otto Porter at 6,200. I believe he was above 7,000 earlier in the year. Uh, let me check that real quick. He was... Yeah, he got into the 7,000s, uh, 7,100, 7,200, 7,000. So seeing him at 6,200, especially in such an up-paced game, I think there's just a lot of upside for Pop, for Porter at that price. Yeah, I think so too. And then James Harden, as always, if Paul doesn't play, Harden is really kind of just an automatic pick, maybe not someone to have all in, but that is the case in some nights. And for this one, at least some Harden exposure would definitely be necessary if Paul doesn't play. I think it, it could make sense to fade the Rockets' side of the game entirely if Paul plays because it would be less usage for Harden. Uh, Paul would probably have that minutes restriction that you talked about. He's also he's also priced at 8800 in a tough road matchup against John Wall. And uh, the Rockets just signed Gerald Green. And while he's not really relevant himself, uh, Mike D'Antoni had said that he wants to limit the minutes of a lot of the other players the Rockets have, most notably Trevor Ariza. So it's going to be a little bit harder going forward to use the Rockets, but if Paul doesn't play, I think you can still use Harden. You can probably still use Eric Gordon. And then for the Wizards, I think I agree with you. Otto Porter really is the best play there, uh, but it's it's probably a decent matchup for John Wall also. that would It would be a lot worse, though, if Chris Paul is playing. Yeah, and then I guess the other thing, too, is just with the minutes restriction, because if Chris Paul is only going to play like 20 to 25 minutes, then I'd still be okay with Wall. So still just kind of have to wait and see what that situation brings. The next game is the Atlanta Hawks, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, there's a decent amount of blowout risk here. The Hawks, if I'm not mistaken, have the worst record in the NBA. Uh, is that right? Uh, I would have to pull it up also. Let's check because I th- I'm pretty sure that you're yes, right. They, okay. Yeah, they're 9-25. and 25. So the Hawks have been really bad this year. They're playing in Toronto and... Toronto not only has been really good this year, so they've been much better lately. They instituted a new offense this year. I'm not exactly sure what offense entails, except I know at the beginning of the year, Kyle Lowry said he was uncomfortable with it. DeMar DeRozan was struggling to find his place. So I think now that we're almost halfway through the season, the Raptors are playing better. I think I, I do think that being more comfortable in the new offense that they're running has a little bit of something to do with that. And then also just that DeRozan and Lowry are playing much better now, and I think that's all correlated and tied in. So for the Hawks, I think like Dennis Schroeder is fine as a GPP play, but nobody in this game for cash just because there's 
I think, a pretty substantial amount of blowout risk. And then from the Raptors' side of the game, the prices for Lowry and DeRozan are kind of oddly down a little bit. So they've been, like, super expensively. But now Lowry at 7,700 against Dennis Schroeder defense. I think that's a pretty decent situation. And then DeMar DeRozan at 8,000. I think that he's okay at that price. I kind of prefer Lowry to DeRozan. And they're not players who I like to roster together just because they're pretty strongly negatively correlated. Yeah, I'm going to guess that the prices are lower because of the blowout risk that you mentioned. I think that that probably gets priced in a lot of the time. So maybe it makes it easier to game stack. I think you could use Schroeder with either DeRozan or Lowry. If you're going to play for the game to be close, then you probably want Schroeder in there because the Hawks don't really keep games close unless he plays well, especially when they're on the road against good teams. It isn't the worst matchup for the Hawks in terms of production because the Raptors are good at defense, but they also play really fast. So I think those two kind of cancel each other out. The bigger issue here, like you said, is that blowout risk. So maybe you want to use a couple guys together. Maybe John Collins works for game stacks for the GPP upside, as always. But I think for the most part, it's probably a game to fade because the prices, while low for Larry and DeRozan, aren't that low. I think there's decent value there, and there's just a lot of blowout risk, and we have a lot of games to choose from. All right, the Brooklyn Nets at the Miami Heat. From the Nets side of the game, we have Karis LeVert is questionable with a hip pointer. So if he can't play, I I would assume that would mean a lot bigger of a role for Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, just because LeVert's been playing a lot of the backup point guard minutes. There'll probably be some extra minutes for guys like Damari Carroll and Alan Crabb also. Overall, this isn't a great spot for the Nets just because the Heat are a pretty down-paced team and they're also good on defense. From the Heat side of the game, uh, let's see. What are their injury situations right now? We have Dion Waiters is out. Uh, Hassan Whiteside is back, but he was limited last game. I think Whiteside at 6,800 is really interesting depending on what his minutes limitation is. He only played, what was it, like 20? Oh, he only played 17 minutes last game. So, obviously, 17 minutes, he'd be a no-go. If he's going to play, like, 30-plus minutes, I think he's fine. But if he's somewhere in the 20s, then I probably don't want to go near him. Uh, I think Drogic at 6,400 is a pretty strong play. The Nets have not been great against point guards this year. And then, also, there's just a lot of extra usage for Drogic with waiters out of the lineup. The last game, Drogic was actually pretty solid. He ended up with 30 fantasy points, but only played 29 minutes because it was a blowout against the Magic. The other thing, also, is... Drogic only hit 6 of 18 shots, so he had a 33% usage rating, which was one of his most involved games of the season. He's been over 30 only a few times. It's not a coincidence they got over 30 with Waiters that last game. He should have massive usage again. I think he's a really strong target at 6,400. I'm definitely with you on Whiteside, and if he plays 30-plus minutes, he probably is arguably the strongest value of any player on the slate. Uh, 6,800 is much lower than what he is when he's at peak minutes. So if there's no restriction, I think that's someone to have a ton of exposure to. Uh, Do you think we'll actually get a game for Dragic this year where he doesn't get in foul trouble, actually plays well, and the game stays close? Because I feel like something goes wrong for him almost every game, and I think his price is just artificially low because his fantasy points have suffered for one of those few reasons. He just hasn't been able to put it all together at any point. Well, it's kind of funny because you could argue that everything went wrong for him last game. He shot 6 of 18 from the field. It was a blowout, which limited his minutes. And he still scored 30 fantasy points. So to consider that to be like a pretty bad result for him at a 6,600 price tag, 
like I, I don't even mind him scoring 30 fantasy points when we consider that that easily could have been like somewhere in the 40s. Yeah, I, I think that he has a pretty high floor because he does produce, and there's more usage without waiters there. He's going to produce even if his minutes are limited for one of those reasons. But there's bound to be a game at some point soon, especially with waiters out, where Drogic ends up playing 35 or more minutes and actually plays well, and he could be 40s or even 50s fantasy points. It wouldn't really be that much out of the question. And I'm not too worried about a blowout here either, so maybe this is the game for it because the Heat are only 6.5-point favorites. And the Nets are a good matchup. Uh, they don't play defense well at all. And you could probably correlate some Nets guys in there because, like you said, Karis LeVert might not play. So it becomes a pretty strong stack spot, I think, without him because there's extra value on a few of those Nets guys. And then you could put Drogic and Whiteside in. Uh, you probably could fit Hollis Jefferson, Crab, Dinwiddie. I think those guys make sense with the uh, two main guys on the Heat if Whiteside is also unrestricted. Um, I'm not sure if there's anyone else who makes a ton of sense for Miami. Wayne Ellington's been playing a lot lately, so maybe him. Uh, is there anyone else you would use from the Heat? Uh, probably not. Uh, I mean, definitely just looking for the Whiteside minutes. Like, if Whiteside's only played 15 minutes again, then maybe Olenek makes sense. But, I, I mean, I would assume that Whiteside plays more minutes this game, and a lot of that's probably going to come from Kelly Olenek's workload. All right. Yeah, I was scanning for potential other Heat players, but it does seem like everyone's been kind of priced up for these injuries and with Whiteside back, there's just not as many minutes to go around. All right. So the Dallas Mavericks at the new Orleans Hornets from the Dallas side of this game. I, I still, I think that Dennis Smith jr. Is worth a shot on GPPs. He's only 4,900. This is a good matchup for him against Rondo. His minutes have been pretty low since he's come back from his last injury. He played 29 minutes last game, which is the most he's played since coming back from the injury, he was in the low 20s before that. So maybe we see him at 30-plus minutes. But remember at the beginning of the year, like there was games where Dennis Smith Jr. was priced like around, I think he was at yeah, 6,900 at one point, and he was kind of seemed like a triple-double threat type player every single game. And then he's just struggled to stay healthy since then. I think there's a lot of upside for Dennis Smith at 4,900. Nobody really that I look at on Dallas, though, is some other really strong play. It's really just I think there's upside in Dennis Smith at his price point. For the New Orleans, uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans, I almost called them New Orleans Hornets. Uh, it's almost like when you called the, the Los Angeles Chargers San Diego Chargers. Yeah, which time? Because I think I do that every week. I don't know. We're becoming, we're becoming our dads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember when that team used to be a different team. Like my dad still calls the uh, Baltimore Ravens the the uh, Baltimore what is he the Baltimore Colts. You're saying they're not still called the Colts? I wasn't sure. No, I can't remember which. I think that's the team he messes up, but uh, whatever. That's that's becoming us now. Is the point? Yes. Uh, for the Pelicans, uh, Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins, I both think are fine for GPP. Uh, for cash games, I could just never roster Anthony Davis. I think people might want to roster Rajon Rondo after he went assist hunting last game. Rondo, who's been bad for a while now, had 25 assists last game. He only scored two points. He actually had, I think he had over 40 fantasy points before he had any real-life points, which has almost definitely never happened before. I'm fine with avoiding Rondo in this game. He'd been bad a bunch of games in a row. He went... One, two, three. He went five games in a row scoring under 30 fantasy points, which also coincided with Anthony Davis coming back. Rondo still only played 30 minutes last game. He's been under that recently. He just played more minutes because he refused to come out of the game at the end. 
he was at a bunch of assists and he wanted to stay on the court to try to break the assist record. And Adam, like Rondo is not a particularly good basketball player. He is a decent DFS asset in the right situations. But I think that he's so much better in the open court that a pace down game against the Mavericks, I think, really hurts his play style. So I, I think this is a good spot to fade him. Yeah, he's also been priced up a little bit. Rondo was 5,600, 5,700, and 5,700 the last three games. Now he's at 61. So his price has gone up in a worse matchup. It's one of the harder matchups in the league facing Dallas, who plays decent defense and plays really slow. Yeah, I'm comfortable fading him too. Uh, I was initially looking at this game for a pretty strong stack spot. I think the Mavericks are just really undervalued here, and it's a big pace-up game for them in New Orleans. So I agree with you on Dennis Smith. I think... Using Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews makes sense, too, because they kind of avoid the front court issues of having to go against Anthony Davis at the rim. Uh, it could be a good game shooting threes for Dallas. And uh, Matthews, I guess there's a lot of GBP upside for him always, uh, as I think we've mentioned several times, because he gets steals and he shoots a lot of threes, and maybe he just happens to make a few extra in a game and then does well. But I do think this game should stay close either way. So my favorite guys are definitely Smith, Matthews, and Barnes. J.J. Barea also has still been playing decent minutes since Dennis Smith Jr. came back, and his price has come down. So he's probably playable too. Uh, but I think I agree with you that Dennis Smith is the better pick. And then you probably just want one of Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins in a lineup that has Mavericks. Uh, I guess you could go for both of them, but... There probably is a little bit of negative correlation there, even though it doesn't always play out that way. I think it, it also is probably just kind of hard to roster both of them because there aren't there aren't many punt plays on this slate. I don't I don't know if it'll make sense from a lineup construction standpoint to be able to fit Anthony Davis and Marcus Cousins in the same lineup. Yeah, it's probably gonna be impossible. And then it's also just hard for both of them to have massive games at the same time unless they're playing against the Nets who are playing all small ball lineups, and in that case they're just gonna score it well. Uh, next game is the Milwaukee Bucks at the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm fine with fading Milwaukee in this game. This is a really tough tail end of a back-to-back for them. They're playing in OKC, who are fourth in the NBA in defensive efficiency. Second night of a back-to-back, Milwaukee on the road. So that's just a tough spot for them. From the OKC side of the game, uh, we have Westbrook at 11,500. Uh, I think the I mean, Westbrook, I think, is always at least somebody who's in play. Uh, Paul George has been playing better recently. He still needs 7,800, so I think there's upside there. I think for his price, my favorite play here is Steven Adams, just because the Bucks have had a good defense since acquiring Eric Bledsoe, but the one place they've been really weak is defending centers. Steven Adams at 6,300, probably just a bit too cheap for him. He's been playing much better recently. Uh he scored at least 34 fantasy points in three of his last four games. So I, I think that's a good price for him in this matchup. Well, I agree with you there, but I also think if you're using Giannis, you should definitely be able to get him at low ownership because he had a pretty bad game on Thursday night. Uh, maybe yeah, I, not- I mean, I just think this is a bad spot for him. So that's the that's just why I'm off him in this spot. Yeah, it, it isn't a good spot. So you'd be going contrarian, but probably for good reason. Going up against Paul George is probably a tough matchup, and then it's on the road, second night of back-to-back. Uh, the one guy from the Bucks I do think is probably usable in a bunch of lineups is Malcolm Brogdon, who's just kind of underpriced, and he plays good minutes off the bench. I mean, usually, unless Jason Kidd does something weird. But Brogdon's still under 5000 and I think he's he's someone who's just generally been underpriced all year. 
Yeah, it's just the minutes go up and down. Uh, I mean, there's some games where we see Brogdon literally like 15 minutes. He had a really weird game tonight where Brogdon didn't check into the game until there was two minutes left in the second quarter. And then he checked in for Giannis at the first whistle of the third quarter and played almost the entire second half. So just the role for Brogdon is really uncertain. And this is also just a tough matchup for him. So, I mean, I'm just off the box in this game. Yeah, that probably makes sense, too. And there might be more blowout risk than people realize. The Bucks actually just haven't been that good this year. The line for this game opened at minus 8 for the Thunder. It's up to minus 9. So it's actually one of the larger spreads of the night. Uh, there's certainly more r- blowout risk in the Raptors game and then probably the Warriors game, which we'll get to. But this game could probably have backups in in the fourth quarter. All right, Pacers at Bulls. Who would have thought that we'd see games where Bulls the Bulls would be a three-point favorite this year? But... That's where we're at. Bulls favored by three over the Pacers. Part of that is because Victor Oladipo has been ruled out again for Indiana. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys we could roster here. Miles Turner, Lance Stevenson, Darren Collison, uh, Corey Joseph, Boyan Bogdanovich. I, I think that all of those guys are worth rostering. None of them are particularly expensive. Lance Stevenson, the preferred play. He is up a little bit in price at 5600 But without Oladipo on the court this year... He's scoring about a fancy point per minute. He's played 36 minutes in both games without Oladipo this year. He has a favorable matchup against the Bulls. So you put all that together, and in 36 minutes, you would just expect him to score 36-plus fantasy points. So even 5,600, I think there's plenty of value there for him. From the Bulls side of the game, Chris Dunn has been just a really good fantasy player as of late. So 7,400, I still think that he's usable at that price tag and then nobody else who I really want to roster just because the minutes have kind of been spread out between Markin and Miritich and Portis so the one guy that I really think we could really count on for minutes in production for them right now is Chris Dunn yeah Chris Dunn probably also sees a bump in his matchup because Oladipo's not there to guard him I'm not sure how that matchup would go if maybe Dunn goes against Darren Collison for most of the game but you'd figure Oladipo would at least guard him for some of it as the Pacers' best defender, and Dunn is pretty clearly the Bulls' best player at this point. So a little bit easier of a matchup for him now without Oladipo there. Uh, I think he's certainly usable. That makes sense. Uh, For Lance Stevenson, I thought it made some sense to fade him last game because of the ownership, and he was really popular, but I guess I just, I'll take that strategy back entirely because the price was just too low where, I don't know, the the floor was really high for Stevenson at 4,300. I think it could make sense to fade him at 5,600. He should be really popular again. Maybe he's 50% owned in tournaments and even higher in cash games. Uh, it's probably a decent value for the price, but it's not the greatest matchup. This should be one of the lower scoring games on the slate. The total's only at, I think it's 208 and a half road game. And this just isn't really a good Pacers team now without Oladipo there. So. I don't know. I won't say there's blowout risk playing in Chicago against the Bulls, but it could just be a worse game for Indiana than people would think. Uh, so if you want to pivot off Stevenson, Bogdanovich would probably be the guy that makes the most sense. But uh, I, th- I think it makes sense to at least have some exposure to Stevenson, even if you're not using a lot of him. Yeah, I mean, I just think that all those Indiana guys are pretty cheap. The Bulls are still negative defending pretty much every position on the court because they're just not a good defensive team even though they play at a kind of slow pace so I'm really fine with a lot of Indiana guys nobody's that expensive I actually think the guy that 
might be my favorite target there is, uh, well, outside of Stevenson anyways, Miles Turner. Just because Turner actually has the the biggest boost in terms of points per minute with and without Oladipo on the team. Yeah, that does make sense. And I have no problem with Miles Turner. I think we've recommended him in at least 90% of podcasts this year. He's still priced what seems like too cheap at 6800 uh, I probably would agree that he's the best value on the Pacers. He actually isn't even that much more expensive than Lance Stevenson for this matchup. All right, moving ahead, we have the Phoenix Suns of the Sacramento Kings. Oh, these are two of my least favorite teams in all of fantasy. So Devin Booker is back, which really kills the value of TJ Warren. Booker went nuts in his first game back. He, I think he almost had a triple-double that game. Uh, what was his final stat line? Or at least he was... Uh, he had four points and four rebounds. Half. So he, still, he finished with 32 points, five rebounds, six assists, 48 fantasy points. I'm good with staying away from him at 8,500, even in a good matchup against the Kings. The center rotation, I believe this is Tyson Chandler's turn to start with Alex Len coming off the bench. It's still going to be a minute split. I don't think anybody on the Suns is a good target, even though it's a good matchup against the Kings. From the Kings side of the game, a lot of the same issues with the Suns, where it's just a lot of guys get a lot of not good players just spread a lot of minutes and usage around. So I think George Hill at 4,900 probably makes the most sense just because De'Aaron Fox is out again. And George Hill's minutes have been pretty consistent recently. So the last few games without De'Aaron Fox, 35 minutes, 34, 27, but that was in a 30-point loss, and then 38 minutes last game against the Cavs. So George Hill is the one guy who I feel comfortable saying has a good amount of minutes security for the Kings, so I think that he's worth looking at. And then same with Willie Cauley's sign at 6,300, just because he's a pretty good fantasy producer, and generally he plays well enough where they have to keep him on the court. Yeah, I think Cauley Stein is my favorite player from the Kings side. I do agree with you on George Hill, though. There, there is some minute security there. But Cauley Stein just has been really good recently. He's played a lot of minutes uh, when he starts, when he comes off the bench. It doesn't seem to matter. Uh, Buddy Heald, his minutes have really gone up and down a lot. So there's probably a lot of upside if it is one of the games where he does get the minutes. He's been in foul trouble, I think, just once recently uh, against the Clippers, where he ended up losing a lot of minutes because he was in some early foul trouble. Uh, but in the other games, he's either played low 20s or sometimes over 30 minutes. So for GPP upside, I think Heald could be a good play. And then three-point shooters, there's always more volatility there. I think he would be the next guy if you had to pick a third guy on the Kings to use. Um, although you didn't mention Vince Carter, who had, I don't know, one of the best games of his career. Maybe that's going too far. But he was really good against the Cavs the other night. I think he scored 17 points in the second half. Yeah, he, uh, I don't think he played much in the first half, and then he ended up with over 40 fantasy points on DraftKings. It was a pretty insane game for him, but he is definitely don't, don't roster Vince Carter. He is definitely not someone to count on. Uh, it just could be annoying if he ends up stealing minutes from Buddy Heald or uh, Bogdan. Is that the Bogdanovich that the Kings have? Yeah, uh, yes. it's hard to figure them out because they have the same name. Uh, but and, I, priced, I, and I think they're priced the same every slate. Yeah, that is, that's, they, they make it as confusing as possible, just... Two guys that have the same exact name, their first names and their last names are indistinguishable, and they are priced the same. You just can't even figure them out. Uh, one guy to mention from the Suns, though, Marquise Chris has played 25-plus minutes in three of the last four games, and he's priced only at 3600 still. So there's probably some upside there if he plays that many minutes, but 
I think it, it's kind of hard to trust really any player outside of a few guys from this game overall. All right, next game, another one with a lot of blowout risk is the Charlotte Hornets, the Golden State Warriors. I, I think you could make a stack here and use like Walker, Howard, Batum from the Hornets, and then from the Warriors, pick out maybe a couple of their stars between. Draymond Green, uh, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, because Steph Curry has been ruled out again for this game. It's just there's a lot of blowout risk here, and I don't really think anybody's price is too favorable. I think Durant is a decent guy to pay up for because his price has gone down to 10600 which is a little bit weird. Just the issue still is there's blowout risk. And also, as you brought up a lot of times, the Warriors do play at a slower pace without Steph Curry. Obviously, Kevin Durant's still been really good recently. But they're still. This isn't a game I would target in cash games, and then even for GPPs, probably only for game stacks. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of blowout risk here with an 11 point spread, and the totals have been a lot lower without Curry, even in games where the Warriors are favored by a lot. So the total for this game is only at 214, not a crazy high number. Uh, even if the game stays close, it's kind of hard to predict who has the big fantasy game for the Warriors. I, Kevin Durant's definitely safe if the game is close. And he's been not that great recently because there have been some blowouts. Uh, he also had a tough matchup against LeBron on Christmas. So that's probably why his prices come down a bit. But yeah, I mean, you kind of have to use him if you're stacking the game because he should play well if the game's close. Uh, Kemba Walker would probably be my favorite guy from the Hornets. But it's a bit of a reach, I think, to stack this game because the players aren't that cheap. And there's not a ton of upside here for total points being scored. It's not that high of a total. And there's a pretty good chance it just turns into a blowout. Yeah, uh, I will, as per usual, agree with you agreeing with me. The last game on the slate, this is one that's just impossible to really give out any recommendations for at this point in time. The Clippers at the Lakers. Kyle Kuzma is questionable for the Lakers. Blake Griffin is questionable for the Clippers. If Blake Griffin plays, then I think uh, DeAndre Jordan is just completely out of play, but Jordan is once again a good play if Blake Griffin can't go. From the Lakers' side of the game, if Kuzma can't play, there's just so much value here where uh, Jordan Clarkson is going to get a ton of usage. Julius Randle is probably the best value play on the slate in that situation because we'd assume that he starts and there's going to be more minutes for Larry Nance then. So once again, we just have to see, is Kuzma playing? Is Kuzma not playing? Him and Blake Griffin are the two most important injury news on the slate, and it's the last game that starts, which is really annoying. Yeah, uh, can't really add too much there in terms of player recommendations because we just don't know. But I guess how would you approach this if we go into lock having no information on Griffin and Kuzma? Let's say they're both true game-time decisions. Do you think it, you just kind of have to fade this game entirely because we really don't know who to use? I guess Jordan Clarkson's a good play either way, but I don't think you can have much confidence in really anybody else. I think we would have some sort of an idea. Like, just kind of reading shoot-around and whatever news there is about how guys look or what a lot of times there's status updates after shoot-around. So I don't think that there would be no news. Uh, I think there's a chance that we would just have uneventful news where they would say, like, hey, still questionable, still a game-time decision. But but I do think that we're going to have some kind of update in the morning where we could have something to go off of. Yeah, I guess that's true, but the update could very easily be these guys are still game-time decisions, and that essentially functions as a non-update, so that, w- that wouldn't help us very much. I guess we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to change any opinions based on that update, and it, 
it does seem like there have been a lot of those updates this year where you're waiting to see before lock if a player will be upgraded to probable or ruled out, and they just say, still questionable, but we'll find out at 10 o'clock or something. All right, so that will finish up today's podcast. We'll be back for uh, Monday. You can follow me on Twitter at GIronbergDFS, and Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. Hopefully everybody has a good weekend.